Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. And today is our last study for the week. And so I'm excited about uh, wrapping up this passage of Scripture and uh, laying out a couple of practical implications um, that are a result of this study. If you could, let's look at this passage one more time. And that is in John chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, let's all turn together there. And I'll read the section, and then we will jump into um, some of the practical implications of what we've talked about this week. Here's what it says. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that was at the table with him. In verse number 12 it says, And on the next day much people were come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereupon, as it is written, Fear not, daughters of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they these things that were written of him, that they had done these things unto them. And and the people, therefore, when they were with him, when he had called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said amongst themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. Now, I want to remind you what we talked about this week. We, We talked about the fact that the disciples... And not just the disciples, but the people there in Jerusalem had uh, a view of, of Christ and a view of Christ's kingdom that in some sense was correct and in other senses was wrong. And so we kind of un- unraveled that, untangled it, and we looked at where they were right and where they were wrong. And, and ultimately, what the disciples did not understand was how important the cross and the resurrection were. The cross is an absolute essential aspect to us as sinners being able to be a part of God's kingdom. And so as we've worked our way through this passage of Scripture, what I want to do uh, this morning is I'd like us to kind of dig into some practical implications that I think flow from this text and flow from this discussion point. So the first thing, the first comment that I want to make is that by nature, people are selective in what they hear. People hear what they want to hear. People do what they want to do. This is a common uh, adage that people will, will sometimes say as they get older. And there's a lot of truth to that. And when we talk about the crowd that was there before Jesus, they wanted the kingdom and they wanted the king and they wanted to be liberated from the Jews, but they didn't necessarily want the kingdom on the terms of Christ and what he was going to accomplish. They didn't understand that. And so there are many people today that really fall into that same category. They want morality, righteousness, without regeneration, a person being born again. Or for instance, many people want justice, but they don't want a supreme lawgiver who says, thou shalt not, or you must do this. They don't want to answer to that lawgiver. Um, they they want uh, some kind of a symbiotic u- utopia where you know people get what they want. They all live in harmony with one another. They feel good about themselves. But the fact is that you cannot have uh, that kind of a perfect society unless people recognize that there is a moral right and there's a moral wrong, and we are by nature sinners, and we are broken, and we need to be redeemed, and we need to be regenerated, and we need the Spirit of God to strengthen and enable us to walk consistent with our position. All those things are contingent on the gospel. And so we saw that as we were talking through this missing component. In order to be a part of that kingdom, 
you've got to be made fit or you have to be declared righteous and then regenerated and ultimately glorified to be a part of that final kingdom. The next thing I would say is this. By nature, what we want is it's it's pretty understandable, but it's not consistent with reality. And so throughout human history, when people have tried to get these goals through human means, they have always failed. You don't get peace internally without redemption. You don't get relational harmony without being called a redeemed people and having other people who are part of that redeemed people. And you can't escape God's condemnation without there being the death of Christ on the cross, the triumph of the resurrection, and the imputed righteousness of Christ. We don't have the ability to flourish as people, and even as we suffer in a fallen world, without there being a gospel-oriented basis for that flourishing and that comfort. All of this goes back to the gospel. And so I want to leave you with this final thought. There is a way that we should respond to these things. And so I'm going to kind of lay them out just very briefly here at the end. The first thing I would say is one of the responses needs to be pessimism. And you say, pessimism? I thought that you wanted to give us a positive implication, not a negative implication. Well, there is both a pessimistic and an optimistic side to this. On the pessimistic side, we need to recognize that the fads that come and go in society, in culture, in the church are simply that. They are fads. And so we need to be pessimistic about them. If people are saying this is how society can be transformed and they're not going to the gospel and saying it's through the gospel declaring people righteous and forgiven and cleansed and being made alive in Christ and people living in the light of their position. If that's not where people are going and saying that's what transforms society, then what you are hearing is something you should be very pessimistic about. The second is the word optimism. We need to recognize that all of the events of our lives, all the things going on in human history, they are being moved ultimately to an end that God has pre-appointed. And that is ultimately, he's going to judge the wicked and he's going to bring people into his eternal kingdom who've been redeemed. And so we should be optimistic. We should recognize that there is something going on in the world and God is using all of these things to accomplish his purposes. That doesn't mean that he's responsible for people's sins and their horrible decisions. What it does tell us is that their horrible decisions and their sins don't thwart his plans. And so there's something for us to be optimistic about. Third thing I to mention is that we need to be focused. There is only one message that ultimately provides the firm footing that we desperately need on every single level of our lives. And you know what that message is? It's the gospel. Christ died for our sins, he rose from the dead, and he triumphed over sin and death. And through his sacrifice, we can be saved from our sins. We can be declared righteous on the basis of his imputed righteousness. And that's the message that ultimately leads to people's lives being transformed. And so we need to be focused on the gospel. Fourthly, we need to be motivated. Motivated because God has given us a duty, or really many duties, to perform in this world. I think of my own life. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a man. I'm a pastor. I have some very specific roles of responsibility in my life. And so I need to be motivated in my life to be faithful in those particular duties. Faithful as a husband, faithful as a father, faithful as a son, faithful as a co-worker, faithful as a pastor, all those things. I need to be 
focused and motivated in those duties. They actually matter. Those duties have eternal significance. Fifthly, we need to be watchful. No man knows the day or the hour when the Lord of when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come, but the scripture promises us that in fact he's going to be coming. And the word that we use is the word imminent. That means that there's nothing on the timetable that has to be fulfilled in order for Christ to be to come back. He can come at any day. He could come today, he could come tomorrow, he could tarry for a thousand years. We do not know, but we know that we need to be ready. And that's the point. The last thing that I'm going to mention is that we need to be continually rejoicing in the richness and the abundance of the grace that we've received from God himself. The fact is that even though this is a fallen world and this is a broken world, and even though only the gospel is the hope for this world, we need to recognize that that gospel that is the hope is the gospel that we've embraced. And the reason we've embraced it is because God has purpose to bring it to pass. It's because God has worked in our hearts and all of those blessings that we enjoy, are they're rooted firmly back in the gospel. So as we think about this discussion on God's kingdom and the cost and the greatness of his kingdom, let's be reminded of these very, very simple implications. A pessimism, an optimism, a focus, a motivation, a watchfulness, a continual rejoicing. I hope that you have a wonderful week. And Lord willing, tomorrow uh, we will... Uh, be getting ourselves ready to uh, get ready for um, Easter Sunday and all that. And uh, if you do not have a church that you regularly attend and you are local, we would really love to have you come on Sunday uh, to be a part of our, our Easter Sunday uh, service as we focus our attention on the resurrection. And uh, also, I'm looking forward to um, getting back into our Anchored in the Word on Monday. So if this has been an encouragement to you, please uh, take, take a moment to share that. If you think it would be an encouragement to somebody else, take a moment to share it with them. And I hope you have a great weekend. Bye now.